you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast post-NFL Scouting Combine flat out in the midst of Pro Day Country. I am your humble host, Rich Eisen. Um, There is somewhat of a pall over the National Football League these days, somewhat of a feeling of um, a family member leaving the flock, a family member disappointing, a family member... Standing accused, and all of us needing to sit and watch and see how things unfold. I'm talking about the bounties. And um, I don't even know where to start with this thing. It is beyond comprehension, even though it's understandable. It is beyond the pale, even though it involves... An aspect of the game that we all enjoy. The violence, let's be honest. It is mind-boggling, the scope, potentially, of this thing. And um, that's where I land on this thing, where three-fifths of me is appalled and two-fifths can somewhat understand it. And we're going to try throughout the rest of this week to delve into this subject while also keeping an eye on what uh, this part of the season is all about. The draft unfolding, the draft board itself, the intrigue, the free agency aspects of it. And that's how we're uh, going to mix this thing all together here on the podcast this week. My two Chris's, as always, are here. Chris Brockman, good to see you, sir. Greetings, Rich. Good to see you. Fresh off the Oscar red carpet. There's lots of things to discuss with you. Uh, Chris Law, good to see you. Back from Indy with me. How are you, sir? Richard, I'm back from Indy. A little New York after that. Is now this, I'm back. Is this how you feel, too, about the bounty, Chris Brockman? Did I sort of echo your oh, comments? Oh, I was going to ask you, are you surprised at all that this has gone on? No. Because I'm I, not in the least. Well, I mean, I, I heard about I mean, that's this sort of like one of the worst-kept secrets. Everybody right. sort of heard that there was a bounty going on in New Orleans, that that, that Greg Williams had put a price on Favre's head at the very least in the 2009 game. It's it funny was, to go back and think about that game, all the late hits that was going well, on. Well, that's how uh, not-so-dirty little secret it was because, according to Peter King and all the reporting that's been coming out in the subsequent days since the league issued this uh, finding on Friday that uh, they had been investigating this and – were stonewalled, and then finally more information came to light and controvertible evidence came to light um, that led to the reopening of the investigation and, and uh, culminating in Friday's announcement. Uh, Peter King saying that the Vikings, after that loss in the NFC Championship game, that's how it all started, right. that they heard there was a bounty on Favre's head and they wanted this investigated. 
So it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's been whispers all the time. I mean, nobody really knew for sure, but everybody heard that this was potentially going on in New Orleans or was going on in New Orleans. But to hear, you know, that the coach was coughing money into the kitty and uh, folks who were not technically part of the team, uh, one one gentleman in particular who I know well too, Mike Ornstein, uh, the uh, agent or business agent of, of Sean Payton, the head coach, that he threw some money into the kitty. That's sort of surprising. Jonathan Vilma saying ten grand to whoever knocks Favre out of the game. I mean, this was going on this is this was this is metastasized. The 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 idea that what you hear in the NFL is hey everybody, whoever gets the most sacks, whoever gets a pick, whoever gets a fumble, you know, you get a little extra change, the players right. chip in. This is taking it to a completely different level. So you, you obviously anybody has a problem if it if it's bounties for injuries, uh, that term. Do you have a problem with a big hit or uh, a zero like a, a lineman bounty? Or- Listen, here's here's the issue with the bounty that 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 I think a lot of fans are are, are grappling with here. We all love the big hits. We all understand that this this game is about separating the football from somebody that's what it's about the running back is carrying it you want to see this guy get hit you want to see the running back stiff arms and run somebody over right the the earl campbell hit right or running somebody over hit the receiver over the middle right in illegal in the strike zone in in a legal sense yes that's what this game's about uh kurt warner i mean one of the guys who had a bounty placed on him in that in that in that playoff run he understands that he's a marked man he doesn't need to know. I mean, he's not, it's not any surprise to him that he's a marked man. And everybody knows that the idea is the quarterback must go down and he must go down hard, as, as Al Davis said. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. But the fact that a player needs or it suggests, the bounty suggests that a player is trying harder because there's a chunk of change on top of what to an ordinary American is a ridiculous salary to play a man's game anyway. The fact that that is being thrown on top of it as well, and that that is may maybe what leads to the frenzy that now instead of trying to hit somebody in the strike zone, you're going for a knee, you're going for a head. Now that's a problem. Yes, I've got a problem with that. That is where this now crosses the line. And there are a lot of players who say, well, listen, it's no big deal because they're trying for my knees anyway. LaDainian Tomlinson's going to be on a show later this week getting his perspective. I can't wait to hear that. He, I, that may be his, his answer is like, hey, you know, like that line. And I might be dating myself certainly with you two guys with Casablanca, you know, like they're, you know, he's shocked that there's gambling going on in Casablanca. That's what the cops said. Right. You know, like I'm shocked that somebody's going for my knees. I'm sure he's dealt with that all the time. Marshall, I'm sure if we asked him, he would be like, yeah. come on, they're going for my knees. They're going for my head anyway. It's almost like the what you don't see at the bottom of the pile. But you cannot, you cannot start this process of putting money on that because then who else is putting money into this kitty? Who else? Yeah, I just think right. That- what if it's somebody who's an outs? There's already been confirmed again. You know, Mike Ornstein is 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 related to Sean Payton in many ways. 
What if it's somebody completely – what if there's something – If I'm not saying this happened in New Orleans or not, but what if another team sets this up and it becomes a culture? It becomes a, a metastasizing culture. What if now suddenly there are other outside forces that go up to somebody? Uh, you're being friends paid. Friends of the program? You're, yeah, friends of the program. I, I heard coaches giving you five grand to take out uh, Peyton Manning. How about I'll make it 100000 because right. I want you to knock Peyton Manning out of the game. And if you do that and you win the game, maybe there's something. Else. It just goes. It furthers. It furthers. It furthers. It's like, no, Snowballs. you are paid to be a professional. That is what I fell in love with covering this sport when I first came to NFL Network. You know, you see these players on Sundays and Mondays and now Thursdays. You see them and all you see of them is the mask and the way they hit. And sometimes the mask comes off and they're breathing fire because it's an emotional game. You meet these guys off the air and they're dads, uncles, some cases grandfathers, right? They're sons. They're part of a humanity that they respect because it's so fragile. Every game could be your last. And this, what this does is it undercuts that whole brotherhood. By saying for an extra fifteen hundred dollars, here's a kill shot. For fifteen hundred bucks, you're going to take somebody right. out and put them on a cart. Like it's almost chump change. Are you kidding me? This is where I kind of have an issue with it in the sense that who's going to do it for fifteen hundred bucks whenever the league's going to fine you thirty thousand for that hit? And then second of all, if you're doing it, you know that other guys are doing it to your offensive guys. And right. Point, so uh, to everyone who say, loves, yeah, but there, but for this? the grace of God, right? Yeah, like go I to. Do unto others. Again, I'm not a religious guy, but all of this, it just, it boggles the mind. And for what? To win games. Right. That's what it's all about. For the glory and for for the camaraderie. It really is just an ugly business that I just wish we weren't having to talk about, but it has to be talked about right now. The commissioner is going to come down and he's going to come down hard. Greg Williams issued the coach in question, issued a statement. The very day this came out, basically saying we knew it was wrong at the time, and you know that doesn't really pass the smell test because if you knew because if you knew it was wrong at the time and you were warned to stop and you kept doing it, then then why'd you keep doing it? And that leads to the question of maybe it was unstoppable, maybe it was just so part of the culture, so woven into what they did, you know. And then every and you see the B roll. The video that's that's rolled over the discussions on Total Access all week. Roman Harper hitting Steve Smith in the end zone well after he has scored a touchdown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have to sit there and wonder, well, did he get some money for that? Or was that motivated? And it's not just the money, too. You know, let me read this to you, uh, and and I'm sure he won't mind it. Uh, But I was texting with Kurt Warner about this. And and uh, it sort of gives an interesting mentality to this. And we're going to delve further into this with London Fletcher, who was on the Redskins at the time when Greg Williams was a defensive coordinator there for one year. He was in Buffalo for the last two years of Greg Williams' head coaching tenure there. Right. Um, he's going to come on the program. I want to ask him, obviously, what did he hear? What did he know then? And, and, and why sort of try and lift the, the hood up on the mentality of a bounty and why it works. Why is it done? And um, so I asked Kurt, basically, here's what I texted him. 
My only question is, why are bounty, hunt, bounty hunting players cool with bounty hunting? Wouldn't they not want the same to be done to them? Shouldn't they look at a coach who's talking about this stuff and wonder, what's his malfunction? Hmm. Right? Here's what he answered. The problem is players feed off the recognition from their teammates and coaches, not about the money. They look to hit someone and knock them out, but don't look beyond one game. I don't think players look to, to end careers, but simply to change the outcome of the present game. That is where the disconnect is. They don't think about it, but their mentality could sure have long-term effects. And that is, to me, the best description of right. the mentality of what the bounty is about and and how it somewhat is a part of... It's, of about, somebody's it's about the moment defense. for these guys. So, it's about the moment. The big hit, the celebration, the crowd. That's, what these, that's, why, that's why they're out there, the gladiator mentality. So we, I mean, obviously we know this Williams stuff. We've heard player after player on our network, everywhere you see, say they've been a part of something similar, maybe not for injuries but for big hits. You have a game named in 1989, the Bounty Bowl. Well, you know, where you go. So how far back – can they go? Well, I mean, you it's just, just it's a different time now, though, Chris, in that respect. I mean, we're in a different era. We're in a different age. We know what 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 happens to the brain when it's hit. Right. We understand. We, we, we've seen uh, um, what happens to guys late in life if they've been hit too much. We see lawsuits by some of these families that are slapped on the NFL uh, you right. know, uh, posthumously, yeah. in 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 the name of the of 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 their family member who's passed away, like Duerson, for instance, right? Mm. Different times, man. Different times. You can't. You cannot be doing this, right? In the wake of all this player safety, I'm really curious as to what the penalties are going to be. You cannot be doing this, and as a league, again, I was told years ago I won't tell you by whom but the league understands there are a handful of things that they must ward off in order to protect the game and it's scandals involving drugs hard drugs right or a scandal involving performance enhancing drugs a gambling scandal a scandal that in some way shape or form affects the competitive imbalance whatever that might be, Spygate, right? And then the fifth one is safety in the stadiums, if that's compromised some way, shape, or form, God forbid. This is this affects two of them, competitive imbalance and gambling. Now, uh, people say, oh, it's not gambling, it's not... But again, if somebody knows that a team has a culture within it that is codified and institutionalized, that coaches are coughing money into this kitty. $10,000 by one player is a pretty big amount. Players are tossing money <laughs> right. into this kitty. If they know that technically the players can be, in a way, in a technical sense, bought by their own people, what prevents some outside force coming in and saying, that's chump change? I'll make it 10 times that amount. Yeah. What's to prevent that from happening? In, in, again, folks may be listening to this right now on the podcast 
and and say, you know, he's sanctimonious or overreacting. I think this is a realistic point of view. I don't. Th- my head's not in the sand here. This has got to be stopped. And certainly, if it was initially sniffed out, but not ultimately provable because of the wall of silence that ultimately was proved to be a stone wall of silence that's makes it even that doubles down so that adds that adds the level of arrogance that right. adds a certain level of what's the only word of it is is f u right i mean yeah. so do these guys get fired that's a great question well, like I said, you know, I'm sort of going on and on here. Um, I mean, but the, Greg, Greg the, Williams has to get suspended for part Loomis, of the season. Loomis and um, Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the Saints, and the head coach, Sean Payton, who I love, by the way. He's one of my favorite people I've met in, in the eight years here. I mean, I've, no I met s- Loomis only a couple of times, but Sean Payton, I mean, I love that guy. He is awesome. And but watching how those guys conduct themselves, there's no, there, it's not, you know, that they have that sense of arrogance you, with man. them, you know. So he, he, they released a statement late Tuesday, late Tuesday, uh, a joint statement saying the following: We acknowledge that the violations disclosed by the NFL during their investigation of our club happened under our watch. We take full responsibility. This has brought undue hardship on Mr. Benson, the owner of the team who had nothing to do with this activity. He has been nothing but supportive, and for that we both apologize to him. These are serious violations, and we understand the negative impact it has had on our game. Both of us have made it clear within our organization that this will never happen again and make that same promise to the NFL and, most importantly, to all of our fans, Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. Let me throw this out. Has anyone thought about how this may affect them trying to re-sign Drew Brees? How is that? What does that mean? What would that affect? Just Drew Brees maybe thinking that he doesn't want to be a part of this culture. No. Come on, man. The, let, let's be honest here. Hold on. Hold, hold yeah. on a minute here. I agree. Hold on, hold on a minute. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out hold there. Hold on a minute here. And, and again, I say this fully knowing. I, I, you know how much. I, you know what I feel about Drew Brees, oh, you yeah. guys. Okay? Oh, yeah. Right? I've known him. For, let's be honest here. Right. L- love this guy. Love him. He's been on the podcast. Love him, but how could he not be invested? He's. I'm not he saying was, he's he not was inv- on that 2019. I'm not wasn't saying he? he's not invested. I mean, he's got it. These everybody on the Saints had to know what's going on. So how can he be suddenly appalled and shocked that this is going on in his in his well, house? I, I would say offensive meeting rooms from defensive meeting rooms. Maybe, maybe he maybe, doesn't. Maybe know. they don't know as much, but uh, there has to be some maybe talkings outside of the facility. One thing that I have learned is this: everybody in the NFL knows everybody's business everybody i'm telling you this for sure another thing that i was stunned about when i first started working with the nfl stunned is is how how much it's like a soap opera all the they're, they're, everybody's a gossip hmm. i'm telling you this the if you're ever around information men if you're ever around players Coaches, general managers, they all love oh, that other guy. How about this team? You believe that was going on in that place? Are you kidding me? It could be misinformation. This is what I heard. This is what's been going on. I'm telling you this. It's X, Y, and Z. You thought it was A, B, and C? Let me tell you about X, Y, and Z. 
everybody knows everybody's business. It just is boggles the mind that people within the Saints building would not know what's going on. It's possible. Okay. Just, I'm, just I'm not going to sit I here and say, it out there. Chris Brockman, I am not sitting here and saying it is completely implausible. I'm not saying that. Okay. But I, I can't imagine that Drew Brees now would be uh, sitting here and thinking, oh, I can't be part of that. No way. I, I think he's he's known about it. And he may not have liked it. And I mean, he's and he, you know what position is he in? He's not going to sit there and blow a whistle. I mean, he's right. not going to sit there and of course not. and stop. You know, ma- no matter how much of a of a virtuous guy he is, what's he going to? Are you serious? No, I mean, no, is he of gonna, not. He's not going to do that. But the bottom line is, I can't imagine what he's dealing with right now. Yeah. It's like you know, Brady took this. I'm doing that. I mean this to this organization. I came here when this town was rebuilding, and now it's my time. And look what all these other guys are getting paid, and I'm just as good as them. I'm a future Hall of Famer. Pay me. That's probably what's going on right now with him. And and the Saints are playing. It's just not good with this New Orleans right now. It's just it's ugly as it can get. And 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 and, they got to be thinking they were one of the favorites for the Super Bowl next year. Now they they have. Now here's their issue: is that who knows if they're going to have their coach on the sideline for a full complement of games? I would doubt that heavily. Right, me too. Who knows what their draft pick situation is? They coughed up of their first round of this year uh, f- to pop up and get Ingram last year. So they're they're smoke them if you got them. If you're a Saints fan on Thursday night of of draft night because you don't have a first round pick, that's gone. Could they lose picks? As they a- could absolutely. There's no doubt they've got a second round pick. If they they could get hit, if they get hit with this second round pick. They might maybe lose their first next year because maybe the league doesn't want to kneecap them by saying you have to sit out the first seventy some odd picks of a draft. I mean that that is really that's a you know that's a penalty to sit out a first two and a half rounds of a draft. Yeah, they would lose a second or a first next year than a second. I don't year. know, man. Good question. Good question. Do, how do you think the media reaction has been to all this? Because I kind of feel like some of it has been like, oh, this is so shocking when. Like D'Angelo Hall said week three, he was going after Romo's ribs. Well, now this is a different story, though. He's going after Romo's ribs because he knows that Tony Romo has a rib injury. We all know that if anybody knows that someone's got an ankle injury, you go for the ankle. You go, and that's, and that's, that is the but, quandary in this thing. Is like, so what's the difference? Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Is D'Angelo Hall going for the ribs because that is part of the culture of the game and that is part of the fairness of the – we know if you're hurt here, I will try and hurt you again to knock you out. I'm doing it because that is part of the game. Or am I doing it especially to make myself more popular in my locker room because we've got this thing going where we're all paying each other extra money because my defensive coordinator has chumped in some change too. So it's that's the, a problem it's the, because again, money. again, it is it is a slippery slope. Who else is putting in money into this kitty? And if you can be bought by your own mates in that respect, and your own coach and your own team, bought by anybody. why not somebody else who comes in with ten times that amount? Uh, yeah. That is the difference. That's the difference. Yes, D'Angelo Hall should go for his ribs. He should. He should. Yeah, he I... should go for his ribs with the crown of his helmet? No. He shouldn't. Just, now you consider and go, oh, like Rich, you know, there. you're all in. You got to be all in. You got to get this is what football is. It's for men. You know, you can't put money into a kitty. You can't do it. You can't do it. And you know what? You know what? 
you you that's part of the the uh that's part of the thing you must give up to play the NFL. That's the thing you got to give up. Like for instance, right now all of us here uh we may be part of one of the only few offices in the United States of America that's not going to fill out a bracket this weekend. Poor us. Yep. Poor us, right? Everyone else has got po- yep. got NCAA tournament pools. We can't because that's part of the rules. Poor us. But you know what? That's what you that's that's what we sign up for. Right. This is the life we chose. Okay. That's the Hyman Roth thing. This is the business we've chosen. Right. Okay. Again, you can't do that. You just can't. You can't. We got a couple of yeah. We got some guests. Guys. I'm sorry. Again, this is you know I've had a lot on my chest here, and <laughs> and um, uh, we're going to talk about this with London Fletcher on this program of the Washington Redskins. But first up, uh, a man who's got a who, who may not have Greg Williams coaching on his sideline. Again, he didn't hire Greg Williams. Jeff Fisher did. Les Snead, the general manager of the Rams, came in after the Super Bowl. Actually, it was sort of the last piece of the new Rams puzzle. And um, at any rate, uh, lots to talk about with him, with Greg Williams. I don't know if he's going to answer any questions about him. <laughs> he's in a tough spot. I've got to ask him. And um, and also, he's got the second overall pick in the draft. Yeah, what do you do? Busy I've man. Combine performance from RG3. Yep. And- so there's lots to talk about uh, on this podcast. Let's get to it right now. Interesting times in the life of my next guest here. Joining me on Rams Cam, uh, barely the general manager of the Rams for a full month, and his plate is full. Not only does he essentially control the draft, but his defensive coordinator, I wouldn't even mention it. It would be an insult to the word hot water to describe his d- defensive coordinator being hot water. Uh, Les Sneed joining me now here on the Rich Eisen podcast. Les, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Rich. Anytime. Now, if, Anytime. Your, if your phone rings at any point during this interview, uh, feel free to pick it up and give this podcast a little bit of a scoop. On this, but in real okay. a real time scoop. So please feel free to do that. Definitely, and it, and it was ringing as I was waiting for the interview. So I passed it along to our PR director. Oh, and he's hand, he's handling the vibrates as as we speak. Okay, so if the caller ID shows up, Mike Holmgren, or Jeff Ireland, or maybe a a, a, a full a, a caller ID, I would not expect. Just to have have artists, your PR guy, hold it up to the camera. Can we can we at least so, agree uh, to do that? Does, we'll, we'll agree to do that. How often if is it, your, if it helps the ratings? Yes, they, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Les. How often is your phone ringing these days? It rings a lot more often than it did before. <laughs> and artist just told me that it's buzzed six times in the last <laughs> five minutes. So. Is that is that so? Because uh, you obviously have some valuable beachfront property for the NFL draft, the second overall choice. Uh, everyone's expecting Andrew Luck to be the choice of the Colts, which means you have uh, the keys to RG3 in your back pocket with Sam Bradford obviously under center for you. Uh, this would be what one would call the catbird seat. Um, how, how can let's, let's try this because I know you're not going to reveal all that much. Uh, multiple teams have been ringing your phone off the hook. Would that be, would that be accurate to say? That would be accurate. I've used multiple, so I, I will go with several okay. so we can change things up. Okay. Okay. Several teams have called. Okay. Some, some that are more known are, are more expected than the others. Okay. Uh, and and how, when, when would you want to pull the trigger on this, Les? Internally, we haven't come up with that timeline yet. We, we discuss it daily on what's best for really the St. Louis Rams and probably the, the trading partner as well. 
because there's pros and cons to both scenarios. I think what, what we're finding is with free agency looming, a lot of teams would like to, especially when you're looking for a franchise quarterback, somewhat have that settled. And, and so they can go into their next phase of drafting and free agency with a clear plan instead of wondering, okay, are we going to get that quarterback? Or do we have him yet? Do we need to go get another one? And vice versa. So, so. How, how does the process work for the fan? Let, let me. So the phone rings, and uh, do you wait for them to bring it up, or you already know what they're calling for? How do, how do, how do, you, how do you play this, Les? Well, I think when, when, depending on the caller ID, you, you got a good – good uh, feeling of what it's for but for the fans I think it, it really started initially at the combine mm-hmm. and, and that's that's where obviously everybody knows most decision makers if not every I'd say every one of them are there unless there's a family emergency going on at that point you you rub elbows and you you talk about the subject in in general terms usually they're gonna let you know hey we're interested in that we'll talk later uh, Sitting on the real estate, we fielded the calls. Uh, you said it was beachfront property. You know, I've heard it's got some oil under it as well. So, so the phone rings with us. But so what happens then is you start exchanging some parameters, what we expect, what they're expecting, and I think really over the last, let's call it the last week, you, we're going to start taking it into some more serious, more serious dialogue so that we can definitely plan for the future. Now, uh, do you have the I guess charts the 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 old Jimmy Johnson charts uh, in front of you to try and and equate how valuable the pick is in relation to where somebody's trying to jump up from. Is there is there some sort of graph paperwork that you have in front of you that you're working off of, or have you thrown that out, Les? Yeah, I think I think well, I think you'll, you'll throw it out a little bit, but yes, we'll use the money ball approach. We'll we'll take that Jimmy Johnson chart. And, and we'll look at that. Here's what else we'll look at. We'll look at case studies from the past. A lot of people bring up the Eli Manning, uh, Philip Rivers situation. Now, here's my favorite chart. I was told that uh, Ernie, of course, he did a radio show recently and said that the pick could be worth three, four, or five first-round picks. So I'm going to go with that Ernie, of course, chart. <laughs> I, I haven't had it printed up yet, but that's, that one sounds good to me. But I think you'll take all three of those and – like economics, there's a supply, there's a, there's a demand issue, and, and there's buyers and, and, and limited sellers, and, and that will cause the price to either go north or south of case studies and charts. Have you, have you um, not had your phone call returned after giving some demands or terms? Has somebody been scared off? Has that happened in this process? Mm. I think, uh, no, I, I will say all phone calls have been returned. Uh, what, what, what you find with, with some teams that are maybe farther back than some teams, they're a little, initially they're a little scared to get in the game because they think it may cost a little too much for them to get in. But I think as they sit there and they analyze their situation and they deem they need quarterback for the future, I think they... And ironically, what we did in Atlanta last year, I think some teams, and with the salary cap and the new CBA allowing the salaries of top-end picks to go down, I think teams are more apt to say, you know what, we, we may take a chance here, we may go out of the box, we may do something that's not normally done, and that's come from, from way back to way up. Let me, uh, let me throw this one at you, Les. 
because uh, I'm sure you've heard it and, uh, and you will hear it uh, <clears throat> as long as this p- uh, pick is still in your back pocket with folks trying to call you up. You just pointed out of the cost certainty that comes with a, <clears throat> a second overall pick at the quarterback position. Yeah. You've got a first overall pick from a couple of years ago playing quarterback right now in Sam Bradford. Great guy, face of the franchise type guy. He has been injury prone. He costs a lot. Why wouldn't the Rams consider trading him and going ahead and choosing RG3 and moving in a completely different direction? Why has that been removed from the table, Les? I think, excellent question. Obviously, it's a new regime. Uh, Jeff and I come in. We definitely internally have to discuss that and, and take all the money out, take the injury prone things out. We have to analyze, hey, what was Sam coming out? And, and I, I was intimately involved in scouting Sam coming out, even though we, we had Matt, Bryan, uh, Matt Ryan. My job in Atlanta required me to know all players in the draft. Mm-hmm. So thought he was a franchise quarterback coming out and, and still do, even you know, through his rookie of the year year and through a year last year where there was a lot of adversity uh, and, and things for Sam. But I think internally we've decided, hey, he is a franchise quarterback. And now we start weighing the option of, all right, does this now allow us to, you know, trade that pick, get some more picks, and now start putting better players around him and letting, you know, letting him do what he, he does with, with more weapons on both sides of the ball. So that has been removed from the table. This is a, the, you, of all the things that are certain, Sam Bradford is going to be the Rams quarterback, and you are not going to use the second overall choice on a quarterback. That's true. Okay. Uh, but is it still possible that you could hold on to the second overall choice and use it for somebody other than a quarterback? Well, I think, I think you have to always be prepared for that. If the options we're presented are not the best thing for the St. Louis Rams, we got to be prepared to, to make a pick there and, 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 and make a very good pick there. So that, that's definitely an option that we definitely got to be prepared for. All right. Uh, speaking for uh, things that uh, you have to prepare for that maybe you weren't expecting, uh, Greg Williams, um, as I mentioned, um, it gives new definition to the term hot water. Uh, he is essentially um, uh, in the crosshairs. I'm not telling any tales out of school right now with the league. Uh, are, are the Rams prepared to not have him as defensive coordinator for the team in 2012? You know, Rich, here's what I'm saying. You mentioned it's a league. Right now that's a league matter. That's, a, that's an ongoing inver- investigation, and we're not going to comment on that until that investigation is resolved. Uh, I, I, I've, I've mentioned before when I've been asked the question, I think in life, uh, whether you're, you're, you're in the NFL, whether you're a football team, whether you're, you're you know, hosting a podcast, <laughs> you've got to be prepared for adversity, and you better be able to adjust. And I think the people and the teams and the podcasters who do that the nice. best – Nice. Are the most successful. Thank you, but but you know, uh, but Bill Simmons and is gunning for me. I'm gunning for him. But nobody's giving him fifteen hundred dollars to take me out at the knees or cut off my vocal cords or something for, for for an episode. You know, this is a this is sort of a different uh, ball of wax right now. And, I, and most people expect him not to be uh, able to continue his craft for the foreseeable future and for who knows how long. Just at least in, in I know it's a, a it is a, a league matter. The question is, has there been at least one internal discussion with the Rams about what if and, and who would take the reins for Jeff Fisher in a very obviously crucial season for everybody with the Rams? 
it, like I mentioned before, Rich, I'm, I'm, I'm going to withhold comment okay. until that matter's resolved. But here's what I will say. Okay. Speaking of league matters, I'm very comfortable in uh, – uh, discussing your Madonna interview at one of the league's most important <laughs> events. Much. If you if you want to go there, no less. I, I like the deflection. This is very this is very impressive on your part. You know, I mean, uh, the, I, I like the deflection quite a bit. What what would you like to discuss about the Madonna interview? All right, I, I, I well, you, you were there up close and, and personal, so yes. I, you know, be, I'm an Alabama. I grew up in a small town, in Alabama. You fall Alabama. Yeah. So so, really, it's a conservative state. So. Growing up, I was a Madonna fan. Okay. And being a talent evaluator, it had nothing to do with looks. It had all to do with, you know, I thought she was a very skilled musician. Yeah. And, who actually went to your alma mater for at least a few weeks. For a cup of probably, coffee, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, but, so what I'll say is you were up close and personal with, uh, with her. So you, I'll let you start. And tell me, you know, kind well, of how that... She had a lot of measurables, again, to use your uh, vernacular, the terminology of your profession. Okay. Uh, there are many measurables. Um, she, she, uh, she was... And she, the most impressive measurable? Uh, the most impressive measurable was her, was her talent. And also, like by it. the way, by the way, uh, the biceps. Let me tell you that. She was cut. She was absolutely okay. cut beyond belief, you know. Look at you, by the way, Les. You've got me talking Madonna. I'm trying to get you to talk about Greg Williams, and you're hitting me on Madge. You know, I mean, this is impressive performance out of you. Certainly for somebody's in his first four weeks on the job. They, clearly, you've been prepared for this. Uh, uh, no, it was, let me just. It was the biceps. It was all biceps. It was. Let me ask you this then. Final question for you on this. You did mention how you're from Alabama. You were a tight end on the Auburn um, undefeated team, uh, uh, Terry Bowden's team, back in the day. Yes. If you, as an offensive player, knew that somebody else out there had a bounty on you, what would you have said? Would you have said that that's part of the game of football, or would you have said that that is out of bounds and that's uncalled for? I think at that point in time in football, when the game is being played, it's a very competitive sport. I mean, it's physical. They put pads on for a reason. I don't, I don't think it changes anything. I think you know that other – hey, that other team wants to tackle the ball carrier. Mm -hmm. That other team wants to pressure the quarterback. In the old days, that other team would love to uh, hit the wide receiver very hard when he went over the middle so he may get alligator arms. But we can't do that anymore. So I think, you know, as a competitor, when the game's going on in 60 minutes, you know it's you versus another man, and it's physical, and and – and, and I think that's it's that doesn't really change anything. Right. Hey, uh, Les, listen, um, I appreciate the thought um, uh, of coming on here. You got a lot going on. Um, and and maybe I'll just phone in uh, two ones and a two to get me up from that spot uh, at four. I do a great Holmgren imitation. So watch out for that. Two, two twos, this year's two, this year's uh, uh, one at four and wherever they were. The one that you uh, sent him last right. year, wouldn't that be ironic? That and would be number 22. At, right, number 22 and, uh, and there too. And, and, and this year's two, right? This year's two. Re remember, I, I like that Ernie Acorsi chart. Okay. And, and and I'm not sure we're going to get his five ones, right? But not sure we're going to get his four ones, okay? Uh, but but do like the three one thought. The three one, okay. This yeah, is a negotiation. I like it. I like it less. 
Uh, again, congrats on the new gig. Uh, good luck uh, on everything that's on your plate right now. Your plate is full, and we appreciate you joining us on Ramscam right now. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. You got it. That's none other than Les Snead, the new general manager of the St. Louis Rams, choosing second overall, uh, last we heard, uh, in this year's draft, joining me on the Rich Eisen podcast. Now moving on to uh, one of the best at his position ever since he stepped out onto the field in the National Football League out of John Carroll, that football hotbed. Uh, He has not missed a start since the start of 1999, 224 straight games played. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast, London Fletcher. Uh, thanks for having me, Rich. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, obviously, bounty the bounty situation is what everybody's talking about. And if you don't mind, I know it was the first time you and I have really ever talked, <laughs> that if I go right into that, if, that, if, if, if I may, uh, since you uh, played for Greg Williams, he was your head coach in Buffalo yes. for a couple of years. Yes. And then he was the defensive coordinator um, in Washington that right, you for had for the first season. part of, yeah, for one, for one season. What, what type of coach is Greg Williams? Let's just start out macro. Okay. Greg Williams is a, he's an awesome coach, you know, very, uh, aggressive. You know, he, he, he definitely believes in the blitz. <laughs> yes, gonna, we've, we've learned that. He's going to, he's going to send, he's going to send a lot of people, um, He's he's an awesome he's an awesome coach. Guys guys love playing for him. You know, great X and O type guy. Um, I think he calls a great game plan. You know, as far as when you get into a game and you know um, having a feel for what to call in a certain situation, things like that. But you know, I, I love playing for him. Does he need to have a bounty system in order to be effective? Because it seems you know we 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 heard he's got he had it in Buffalo, had it in Washington, that. and he had it in New Orleans. Is it is that a would that be a wrong assumption that that's, that's what he that needs? that is a uh, a wrong assumption I think what's happened here is they're taking a, a brush and painting a broad stroke you mm-hmm. know with the with Greg I played for him for uh, two seasons in Buffalo mm-hmm. 2001 I mean 2002 2003 in 2003 we were the number two ranked defense in the National Football League I think we led the league in takeaways um, sacks things like that um, didn't give up many points allowed and we didn't have a bounty system so you know also in, in um, 2007 when he was my defensive coordinator in Washington we were I think number eight or tenth ranked defense in the mm-hmm. league didn't have a bounty system you know we we you know we're extremely good defense, so he does not need any any bounty type programs. Um, you know what what happened down in New Orleans, and Greg has admitted his role in that. Mm-hmm. I was extremely shocked, um, disappointed, and all that, because um, you know, as I know Greg, that wasn't you know something that we practiced. But Philip Daniels said in '06 that there was a bounty system. I wasn't there in 06. Right. So it, 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 he he had done away with it as far as you could tell by as 07. As, as as far as I know, you know, I think um I read where Phillips mentioned something maybe in 04, 05 that mm-hmm. they they had a a kitty pot or something like that right. uh, where they where they um passed around a kitty or they had something, you know, where guys mm-hmm. would put in different money for incentives to uh for big plays, you know, right. sacks, forced fumbles, things like that. I read that those types of things. But in 07, you know, there was no pot being passed around, things like that. Um, I've been on many of teams where players would talk amongst themselves, amongst a group, in, mm-hmm. a, in a special teams meeting room, things like that, in the defensive meeting room where, hey, guys would get up, hey, you uh, you go down there, get a tackle inside the 20. I'm going to give you $50, $100, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, running back, if you rush for over 100 yards, you know, I got $500, I'll take you out to dinner. Right. Things like that. So that goes on around the National Football League 
that's a culture in the National Football League. It's not unique to Greg Williams or the New Orleans Saints or any other team. So from again, from your knowledge and perspective, there was no you, – you had never been approached by, in Washington never. at all by say, hey, if you knock somebody out of the game, you never, get X never, dollars, X cents. Never, never, never. Never in not, Buffalo never, either. Never in Buffalo. Never has a coach uh, or anybody come up to me and said, if you knock someone out of the game, if you injure a guy – I'll give you X amount of dollars. That's that's not the way I believe in playing a game of football. You know, this is a – understand this. This is a brotherhood in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, we compete against each other. We go out for 60 minutes for four quarters. We'll compete, compete hard against each other. And when I play a game, of course I want to inflict physical – That's what it's about. Physical, but hard, it, hard punch. Yes, right? exactly. But to go out and say with the intent, the malicious intent to injure someone, to – Put, put put someone's career in jeopardy. No, I was never a part of that. See, that's the thing that that's so troubling to me and so many fans also, London, is that mm-hmm. one of the things that I fell in love with covering this sport every single day uh, when I was exposed to it eight years ago was this brotherhood that you're talking right. about. That you and professionals like yourself mm-hmm. on Sunday can look at the guy across the line of scrimmage and say, that guy's taking food off my table. I need to go <laughs> separate that football. Right. Or somebody who's got the football looks at you and say, he is standing in between me and the end zone and right. thus food on the table. Right. But when the game's over, I mean, I'm not a religious man, but I, I, I respect the prayer circles that go down on the field. I see how uh, professionals will shake hands after games and be able to look at that. So I can never. It, it just boggles the mind that another professional could accept regular, relative chump change, fifteen hundred dollars right. in yeah. respect to what the salaries are, by saying, "Hey, I am going to knock you out of a game," even though that is technically the idea here. But to do it for the extra chump change yeah, right. and and to go for your knee as opposed to maybe the proper strike zone, right. how can can you? Can you look another man in the eye knowing that he has accepted that and be able to to handle that? As a I'll give you I'll give you my own personal ex- uh, example. You know, I've played in games where where players on the other team has have come to me and said, "Hey, you know, the coach has said, "Hey, go after your knee" or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, try to try to do some things, but they they've never said, "London, the guys put a a price tag on your head." Did I take offense and was I? shocked that that a coach or, or someone would want to do that to me you know my my question was was i the only one that was my question to the guy was, was i the only one singled out so but um you know it doesn't it doesn't shock me that there were bounties in the nfl i mean that that um you know there were bounties so to speak um being that took place the fact that you know it was alleged that Coaches participated and things like that. You know that part does uh, does shock me. And also too, I mean, I was there at the start of the 2010 season when both sides, the Saints and the Vikings, stepped forward, and it was a very controversial moment where where all the players raised their hands in, in right. unity because of the impending disaster on the labor right. front was coming. So how can again, if you can try and ex- explain to me, I know that this is not your philosophy, but you are a player in the National mm-hmm. Football League. You know, everybody knows each other's secrets. Everybody talks about it. And certainly, you know, the mindset, how can those players raise their hands as one? And then half of those guys who raise their hands at one, some of the half of those guys are ready to potentially knock you out of the game and accept a small amount of money for it. And perhaps even more than the money, uh, accept the adoration of their fellow player for doing again, what you're supposed to be doing, but not for the right reasons. How, how, 
how can that happen? That's that's hard to fathom. You know that that you would come out in unison and standing together amongst a brotherhood, your union, you know, as one, and then in the same sense going to that game, possibly with the uh, intent to injure a guy, um, you know, knock him out of the game. That's that is hard to fathom. You know, I don't know the full extent of everything that happened down in New Orleans. You know, as as you read more and as, as the story continues to unfold, you know, some of the details are are a bit disturbing, you know, so that part of it, it, it is hard to fathom. Um, you know, I guess some guys can, can separate, you know, the, the two, um, yeah, we're before the whistle, we're, we're brotherhood, but once the whistle goes, you're, mm-hmm. you're an enemy, you're a, uh, adversary, so to speak, but it's just hard. It is hard to, hard to uh, fathom some of the things that I guess took place. So what do you think the effect within a locker room is, going to be because I've, I've heard a lot of reaction is like this and this is a man's game we are you are London Fletcher supposed to separate the football from whoever is coming into your right. domain that right. is your job to do and that is why fans watch this game exactly. it is for some of the violence right. okay but if we're now being extra violent because of a little extra cash on the side <laughs> that is when things I think cross the line certainly if it's going to be institutionalized by a team what what do you think the reaction is going to be within your brotherhood, within the locker rooms moving forward after the commissioner does put the hammer down on this situation? I think, you know, obviously players throughout the league and even coaches throughout the league will be watching the situation closely because, you know, they know that there have been other places. There, this this culture that exists among the NFL players as a pay for performance type of thing. It, it goes on amongst players, things like that, incentive-based um, things. Mm-hmm. But for us, the whole bounty thing is just hard to wrap your wrap your mind around. Um, th- does it exist? Obviously, it does exist because it, is, it was happening down in New Orleans. And, you know, as more players kind of come out and they say it's happened in different places, happened many years. Well, yeah, one of them was, again, it was in Washington. But, you again, know, Matt it, Bowen wrote this article in, right, in exactly. the Chicago Tribune that opened a lot of eyes about right. Sitting there on Saturday night, filling up envelopes, naming names. This, when Matt played in Buffalo, I mean in uh, Washington, and was it think oh four and oh five, so he said this existed. You know, I can't say whether that happened or not because I wasn't there in oh seven. But never did I sit in front of, did I sit in the room and a coach come and have out envelopes and, and cash and all that. That didn't take place in 07. Is it possible that because you are who you are and and you have a certain style about yourself that they just knew? We're not going to bother with London because uh, you don't need that. Because you don't need that. I mean, is it is it at all possible? I, I doubt that because yeah, I think I'm I've been a captain on on defenses. My defense captain of teams for you know a number of years. So mm-hmm. if any of this was taking place, I would know that. That's uh, that's so my. It didn't happen, huh? No, nah, there was never there were never even any bounties to take place. Have there been cases where guys have offered you know money for? Interceptions in a game, um, sacks, forced fumbles, kickoff uh, to a kickoff return, and mm-hmm. he goes back and, and takes a takes a, returns a touchdown. Sure, that that happened. What? That's happened on numerous teams that I played on, and you know to say it was and 
has a coach participated in that? No. Right. I mean, in a way, that, that there's no different than that and then some incentive program in any office in the United States, in any place of business. But, but why do you think why, – why does that happen? Why is there a culture for that? Because, again, most fans will sit here and say, you know, obviously, even the veteran minimum for many fans would be an incredible year's pay and something that they would sign on the dotted line for. Why – why does it, 100 think, extra uh, bucks or 500 extra bucks matter? I think what, what it matter? does is it's, it br- breeds competition and it brings the, the best out of a guy. It it even um, promotes camaraderie amongst a group, a, a team, a unit, things like that, to uh, to have those types of things. Um, you know, guys compete for a game ball. You know, after if you win, a, if you win, you know, they'll give out game balls and guys are competitive about who wins a game ball. Um, we used to get – a parking space with our name, our name and number on the uh, our number in the uh, um, painted into the uh, asphalt and our our no, our name uh, on a post. So guys would compete for that, you know, something like that. You know, those are that's how the the NFL players wired. We just compete. We can play. You and I could sit here and play rock paper scissors, and if it was another, we would, we're going to compete at whatever we yes. do. You know, but it's it's camaraderie building. It's also to bring the best out of a guy. You know, so you sit here and she say you scratch your head and say, you know, a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars to go out and get a sack or interception. Why do you need an incentive? Guys are going to compete hard, whether it's those mm-hmm. those guys are going to compete whether there's money on the table or not. That's just how we're wired to do. That's just that's just us. What about you? What's your future, London? What do you think here? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a free agent this year. Mm-hmm. I played uh this I just finished my 14th season. Led the National Football League in tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, still playing at a high level. Went to my third consecutive Pro Bowl. Made All Pro. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I've got I, your I, numbers I, right here. Here, let me <laughs> let me let me do this because we like leaving guests in the podcast better off. Um, I don't know if you've seen these numbers with you and Ray Lewis since you've come into the league. No. Since you've come into the league in 1998, you have 80 more tackles than Ray. The same number of sacks. One more forced fumble. He has a few more picks than you. And you've got him by a safety. And that is a future first ballot lock Hall of Famer. How many more years of this level do you think you have left in you, London Fletcher? Physically, I can I can do this for another three, four years. Just just that's just how I feel. That's how I'm wired to compete. You know, I love being out there on Sundays. I love being in there with my teammates. The preparation that goes into competing on Sunday, you know, studying. Um, getting your body right. I love that part of it. There's no way where else I can get that type of competition. There's other places you can go go out and make money, mm-hmm. you know. But the the camaraderie that the locker room builds, the brings the that that unity that you have with a group, being out there in front of eighty, ninety thousand fans. There's no other place you can get that except in the football field. And the Redskins is that a closed door in your estimation? No, no, that's not a closed door at all. You know, I would love to go back to Washington, you know, but it's a business. Um, we're not close to a deal. So, you know, come, uh, I think there's still a few more days until free agency, you know, but who knows what happens. You know, I would love to go back to Washington, but, you know, come March 13th, I'll, I'll look at any and every situation. Good to have you on the show. All right, thanks. Got, that's London Fletcher on the Rich Eisen Podcast. And that's it for this podcast. Uh, we've got one more LT, LaDainian Tomlinson. That's going to be on, uh, we'll release that Thursday. Jason Lockett 4 is going to give us everything we need to know about the impending free agency. Uh, Chris Law, Chris Brockman, what do you think about what you heard? Um, Fle- uh, London Fletcher, he uh, he looked, I mean, he was really earnest when he said that there was no bounties. Yeah. But it, Coy Wire said that there was at Buffalo. 
and Bowen, Philip Daniels said there was a lot the, of the guys year before that are out they of the league are saying stuff. Well, they were, I, mean, I guess so. But London, but it strikes me like who's going to go up to who's going to go up to Ray Lewis and say, "Hey, man, what do you think about putting two grand on a kill shot?" No one's, gonna, you know what I mean, right? London Fletcher, when you, those numbers you routed off, I mean about him. Yeah, I mean it's just, I just don't want to discuss this, but it is what it is. I mean we have to. It's in our family. It's in our house, and this yeah. is what it's going on right now. And. Uh, a free agency will take some of this off the plate, I imagine, unless this thing spins even more out of control. I mean, if he says way, it didn't understand. happen, we have no choice but to take him at his word. So, and that may lend credence to what you said earlier in the podcast, that maybe some offensive players on the Saints didn't know what was going maybe. on in their house. But um, who knows, man? Who knows? And uh, on the next show, we'll do the rest of the housekeeping. My 40-yard dash, which right. was fun, and you uh, with Hines. Interesting afternoon we yes, had. Yes, with him, had the Oscars red <laughs> carpet, his last official act as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yes, it was. That was odd. And but a lot of Steelers fans were at the Oscars, which was, was really amazing strange. to me. Terrible towels getting flown. It was, it was crazy. So we'll get all that out of the way uh, on the next podcast. But, yeah, so uh, th- that sorry. next podcast will be posting uh, Thursday morning uh, on NFL. Thursday on morning. ITunes, yeah. Very good. And then the show's on at 2 Eastern? 2 Eastern this week on, on Thursday. On Thursday. And then there's various other And then they've been a few times over the weekend. Check your local listings on there. There it is. Um, and then it, why is there a signed photograph of Bill Courtney here, uh, that, right here in front of me? Why to, is that? <laughs> the coach of, coach of, uh, of Undefeated, which, by Oscar the way, got winning. the ultimate podcast bump. The Oscar win. How awesome How good was that, that? By the way? I know. I, I was very excited. We, we, I'll give you a little teaser. We weren't able to get them on the red carpet, but it was nice to see Bill Courtney rolling with P. Diddy on the red carpet Fantastic. together. P. Diddy's a producer. Well, P. Diddy's, yeah, that's his, P. Diddy movie. was an executive producer yeah. on the Bill Undefeated. And P. Diddy. On the red carpet together. <laughs> the things that happen in our world wow. that we're somehow in the middle of. <laughs> oh, okay, that's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Signing off. We'll see you just in a couple days. Stay listening, friends.